Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to another episode of the Madhouse Podcast. As always, I am your host, Mad Max. May the 4th be with you. Uh, yeah, that's going to be the theme of today's episode because I was going through a lot of the older episodes that I've done, and I remember I started the Star Wars thing. I started the whole Star Wars episodes uh, at the same time that I wanted to do um, at the same time a Bad Batch, and I think I stopped. And, you know, as you guys know, during that time period, a lot of things was happening. Uh, so I stopped that Empire Strikes Back. So for this episode, we're going to cover uh, the prequel trilogy and the sequel trilogy, as well as the little spinoff uh, films, which include Rogue One and uh, Solo, a Star Wars story. And, of course, I'll give you my thoughts on Return of the Jedi, uh, which is where we're going to start with. Return of the Jedi uh, is probably, to be honest, I think at that time, uh, in the early 80s, you know, they, they, I don't think they ever did movies where movies had a continuous series like this. You know, the space opera thing wasn't uh, something that a lot of movies were doing back in the day. But I got to say, um, st- uh, after the huge success of Empire Strikes Back, where we are looking at our heroes from part one of the series just get their teeth kicked in throughout the entire uh, movie, we get to Return of the Jedi and... I think, to be honest, the one thing I... A lot of people say Return of the Jedi is good, but it's not as good as uh, Empire Strikes Back. And the only thing I can say about that is that I kind of, sort of agree, but at the same time, as far as a trilogy goes, it set the standard for what how a trilogy should basically end, pretty much. You know, the trilogy... The, the trope of a trilogy is the fact that it's the concluding chapter. Like, all of our our story arcs that we've been on this journey throughout the entire um you know first two films is that it wraps up in the third one and i think star wars probably the first movie that actually did that you know to where we wrap it all up and because at the end and going into that opening scene at jabba's palace and the scene where luke saves uh uh han and leia and chewie and he debuts the green lightsaber and everything like that it's a great scene. It's a great moment. You you kind of see how far that character has has come since his since the first Star Wars film. And it's really good, you know. It's a really good way. The final battle between Luke and Darth Vader is cool. It's excellent, and it has all the earmarks of a great send off. And, and a lot of people say that you know it it, it is kind of uh, 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 I don't want to say a disappointment, but a little bit of a downer following the events of. Uh, of um of of empire strikes back so i don't know why i fucking my mind went blank for that for some reason but yeah return of the jedi in my opinion is an underrated uh part three you know what i mean like i, I think out of all the films that i've seen that are trilogies like true trilogies like you know they don't they don't go to a four or anything like that because technically this is the end of the original trilogy that's why it's called the original trilogy because it you know started uh, all that, you know, back in the early 80s and things like that. To whereas the prequels, you know, episode one and two and three, and then the sequels, the sequel trilogy, episodes seven, eight, and nine, um, those have their own type of arcs. They try to follow that arc, but for some reason it didn't kind of go together. Return of the Jedi is one of the true trilogies that I can say that all three movies are pretty good. And to be honest, it wasn't until man shit 
damn, I can't even think of a trilogy that really kind of stood the test of time as far as leading the way, you know, because Superman, the Superman series, the Christopher Reeves one, you know, the third film was probably the first time it kind of started to go off the rails a little bit, although it had a, it had a, a great performance from Richard Pryor. Uh, a lot of people felt that it was probably where it kind of went off the rails there. And then, of course, we don't have to talk about A Quest for Peace because that was just a terrible movie altogether. Uh, I think Tim Burton's uh, Tim Burton's Batman series was robbed of a third film as well as Jill Schumacher's because of, you know, the, the, the disappointment that came with all of that stuff and things like that. So it was kind of... It was more so a... Uh, I don't want to say a letdown, but it was more so a uh, a disappointment. It was more so not so much a a disappointment or a letdown. It was just it was a good movie, but it wasn't better than the film that that did that 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 came before it. Basically, like I love Captain America: Civil War, but in my opinion, I don't think it was better than Captain America: The Winter Soldier. I love The Dark Knight Rises, but I don't think it was better than the dark knight i um, and yeah you know uh, uh, you know all of those of those trilogies you know the, usually the third film you know not too many times when they go to a third film the third that the third film is actually pretty good star wars everything about star wars return of the jedi uh was not only from a storytelling standpoint but from a movie quality standpoint it's like it stands the test of time and it has all those moments to where the prophecy being fulfilled that they that but that's more of like a storytelling thing george lucas expanded that you know when he did episodes one two and three and then what a great way to segue into that i remember when episode one the phantom menace came out and i remember they had that poster of jake lloyd who plays a young anakin skywalker but his shadow was casting Darth Vader and things like that and I thought yeah, that's cool to see an origin story of Darth Vader at the time I was only like maybe eight years old so I really didn't grasp that concept but as I got older and looking back at those prequel at the prequel series I mean those movies are terrible to be honest there's not I'll put it to like this I know the prequels get a lot of bad rap they get a bad rap for a reason it's because they're terrible it's because they try too hard to be to be taken seriously George Lucas thinks that the audience from the 80s is going to be the same audience that we have in, you know, the new millennium, basically, because 99, 2000 and things like that, you know, he thought, I was like, no, because kids from that era, they grow up, you know, kids from the 80s are probably, you know, uh, young adults by the time 99 had rolled around. I mean, I was a kid, you know, I had seen, you know, even though I had seen the previous Star Wars films and you know looking into something new it was kind of interesting but I think overall the three prequel films overall the one thing that's good about them is uh, Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi I think his performance is what saves it it makes it worth the watch so to speak you know I'm really looking forward to his Kenobi series uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, to see him expand that character and to see where that character kind of ends up and things like that. Uh, but as everybody knows, 
the rest of the movie is not all that great. You know, in Phantom Menace, I put it like this. In Phantom Menace, I can probably name, with the exception of Ewan McGregor, I can probably name two good things that came out of that out of the Phantom Menace. One, I really enjoyed the pod racing scene. With yeah, I thought that was really cool. I and to be honest, that was really good. It was really entertaining. It was exhilarating. It was a fun action. I don't want to say action, but a, a fun, a high octane action set piece, so to speak. You know, you see Anakin Skywalker doing something that was. A very dangerous especially for a kid but at the same time to prove that he was you know worth somebody and things like that I thought it was good character development I don't know if it was Jake Lloyd's performance or I don't know if it was George Lucas's writing but something felt really off and then the other thing that I pull from uh, the Phantom Menace is the fight scene at the end between Darth Maul uh, Qui-Gon Jinn and Obi-Wan Kenobi that fight scene alone was probably worth the price of admission. You could put that, you know, there's a reason why the selling point of that movie was in, that was in the trailer. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, Liam Neeson, you know, uh, as Qui-Gon Jinn is, is a little bit forgotten, you know, in the Star Wars lore and everything like that. But, I mean, for somebody who was, I don't want to say an outsider, but for somebody who, as, as a respected actor that he was, as he, as he is now, you know, for somebody, him and Samuel L. Jackson, for for those guys to kind of step into the Star Wars series was, you know, that, that showed that the Star Wars had staying power. And I think Sam Jackson as Mace Windu kind of had a little bit more longevity because he's in the other three. Now, Phantom Menace didn't really have a whole lot, a whole lot going for it. And like I said, other than the pod racing scene and then the final fight scene at the end, there really, there's really nothing to take away. In my opinion, if the worst film out of all the Star Wars series as a whole is Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. Nothing about that movie is good. You know, like I said, besides Ewan McGregor, nothing about that movie. There, I cannot pull one thing out of that movie that is good in any way. Um, the 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 chemistry between Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman felt very awkward, uh, his performance. Now, one thing I will say, there is one moment in the movie. In uh, About halfway through the movie, he goes through, uh, he, he finds his mother, and you know his mother is murdered, tortured by the Tusken Raiders, and he goes off on them. And it's a great moment. It's a great character moment that is foreseen by Master Yoda in the previous film and things like that. But I don't know if it's because of Hayden Christensen's I think well, to be honest, I think it is part of Hayden Christensen's acting. The fact that his his voice comes across as a whiny teenager. So when he has that moment where he says, They're animals and I slaughter them like animals, that speech should have been powerful. That speech should have been the the that should have started the slow turn to the dark side when Anakin becomes Darth Vader but because of his voice and the way he projected it and the way he read it and the way he said it and everything like that it it comes across as comical like there's that great moment when he kind of looks up into the camera with that look of anger and and rage and he goes off on those Tusken Raiders and that would have been a great moment if they would have showed it you know when he slices to the camera it you know it split cuts into another scene and I don't know I guess George Lucas just made a bad call with that and I don't understand why but 
you know, there are some moments, there's a little bit of moments of hope where you think the movie might be good, but, you know, it switches back to something corny and things like that. So, my opinion, Empire, I mean, Phantom Menace had some cool stuff in it. Attack of the Clones had nothing in it. There's nothing about that movie that was really good in any way. Uh, and then um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. In my opinion, Revenge of the Sith, out of the three movies that they made, out of the three prequel movies that they made, Revenge of the Sith is probably the best one. Um, there's no, I don't, there's no denying that. There's no, uh, I don't think anybody really has anything, it's still bad, don't get me wrong, it's still a terrible movie, but I don't think anybody has anything bad to say about that movie because it's just it's it it out of the three films even though a lot of them are terrible even though all three of them have their flaws and their faux pas revenge of the sith is probably like you can watch revenge of the sith and go into the original trilogy no problem no problem at all because revenge of the sith is probably the perfect representation of the origin of Darth Vader. Like, we didn't have to see him as a Jedi apprentice or a Padawan or anything like that. We didn't have to see any of that. And I don't understand why they did that. So, I mean, it, it didn't make sense to me. But at the same time, uh, I mean, I get why they did it, because of fucking money. But if you just watch Revenge of the Sith, it really shows you a dark and a slow turn into from Anakin to Darth Vader. And I didn't understand why. At the time, I really didn't. I was like, I don't understand why we had to go through three movies just to tell one story. Or why we had to have, like if there, if this three movies were gonna tell one story, the story had to be good. And I don't understand why it wasn't. So, but I mean, I guess, unless I'm missing something about storytelling, I didn't understand why they did that. Like, the original trilogy, each movie kind of told a story, but it all kind of seemed blended together. The The prequel trilogy tried to do the same thing, and I felt like that's where George Lucas's fault, that's, where, that's George Lucas's fault. You know, I guess he just, I don't want to say he doesn't understand storytelling, because obviously he does. I just think he's, I just think he, he, he doesn't understand his audience. He doesn't understand casual moviegoers. And, you know, that's no disrespect to George Lucas, but, I mean, I think that's why a lot of times, you know, these movies do get a bad rap. And to rekindle, to recapture what was once good from back in the day, you have to understand why it was good. It wasn't because, you know, you, you market this for kids and everything like that. It wasn't because of the storytelling. It was because it was because you tried something that was different for the time. Now, when you've already got an established foundation, it should go in another direction. It doesn't have to go in the same direction. You know, like I said, kids grow up. If you're going to market it towards kids, market it towards new kids. Don't market it towards the same audience because the same audience does grow up. They're still going to go see it, but you're still going to have that... Um, you're still going to have that notion of, yeah, but it's not as good as the old ones. Like I said, you know, Revenge of the Sith, 
it, it does have some good moments in it. You know, it's like a B plus film. Uh, uh, there's one scene in particular. I, I think the scenes with Ian McDermott, who plays uh, Chancellor Palpatine, uh, really kind of comes forth in this one as you know he's itching closer and closer into morphing into the evil emperor of the original trilogy, which you know diehard Star Wars fans saw that coming a mile away. Um, there's you know throughout this entire movie, his character and Anakin Skywalker, it's the slow kind of manipulation of trying to seduce him to the dark side. Um, one scene in particular is when they're at they're at, it looks like some type of opera or whatever because Anakin's been assigned to protect the Chancellor at all costs like a personal bodyguard and he tells the story of Doth Plagueis the Wise and you know that's kind of how you know Anakin is try, is seduced not because you know he's been had, he had visions of his mom dying and now he starts to have visions of Padme dying and trying to protect the people he loves and, and uh, uh, it it really kind of shows you the slow methodical you know the the slow methodical downward spiral that Anakin is slowly becoming Darth Vader and then of course that scene when Anakin cuts off Mace Windu's hand and Palpatine throws him out the door and he's badly scarred which is eventually what he looks like now as we know him now and things like that which I thought that was really cool and that moment when he says henceforth you shall be known as Darth Vader you know it's an iconic moment and things like that I remember seeing that in the theater and like some people like gasp like oh my god and it's like well you kind of saw that, like me having seen the original three saw that coming and things like that. Um, yeah, of course, that kind of leads to well, I think one really, really cool scene. Well, there's two. This well, there's a few. It's after that moment that the movie actually is pretty good. You know, that's where it starts to get good. You see Yoda on the Wookiee planet. You see Yoda and Chewbacca kind of have a moment when they're taking on the droids and everything like that, which I thought was really cool, and um, that was interesting to see. But one, the moment that I was talking about earlier, after, after Palpatine, you know, gives Anakin the moniker of Darth Vader and things like that, that moment when he says, execute Order 66, and then the clone army turn on the Jedi, that moment, you know, the, the way you see a lot of Jedi start to, you know, fall under the clone army and how they're betrayed and everything like that. It is kind of sad. It's a somber moment, um, and you, you see, like when the, the the guys are running behind the Jedi and then the the stormtroopers not well, they're not stormtroopers yet, but the clone army kind of just stop, and then they open fire, and you see slowly, bit by bit, the Jedi are being picked off one at a time, and to be honest, the only two that are left are Obi Wan and Yoda. Um, and, you know, it leads to the final fight between Anakin and Obi-Wan. And it's... I don't understand. Like, I, like uh, that scene is so well put together. But it's that... It's the dialogue before the fight that kind of, like... 
it, it, it's like how what I said before about you know Attack of the Clones. Like when he starts talking, it doesn't, um, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything because his voice is so whiny and and like almost pathetic by now. It's like you you can't get behind him. You can't. You don't believe that this guy with this whiny voice is eventually going to be one of the greatest movie villains of all time. You know that whole, you know, you turned her against me, and uh, things like that. I have brought peace and order to my new empire, and it's like, what the hell? You will not take her from me. It's like that. That these guys, this whole like last part of the movie, like the second half of the movie. It's like every other scene is like a meme. Like when Obi-Wan fights General Grievous and he gives the whole hello there, you know. That was kind of cool to see because it's a callback to the original Alec Guinness character and things like that. And then the the scene where Anakin, they don't show it, which I thought would have been kind of, you know, dark even for a Star Wars movie. But yeah, they don't show you that moment where Anakin kills the younglings, you know, when they when the kid comes up and says, Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? And then, I was like, holy shit, that is pretty dark. And things like that. But the moments that they show Anakin, like, just standing there, like, he's on the lava planet, and, you know, he has the hood up, and you can slowly, and, like, a lot of people say his eyes are changing colors. I was like, not really. He's looking at lava, so they look darker, or they look orange, and things like that, so... Yeah, and then eventually the 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 fight between Obi-Wan and Anakin on the lava planet is really cool, but like I said earlier, it's so choreographed that it's kind of hard to... There's no... Because it's so choreographed, it looks cool, but, but also at the same time, because it's so choreographed, there's no sense of danger. There's no element of danger because you know they're not... This is like this should have been like a bare-knuckles fight, like a bare-knuckles, you know, street fight. Like, yeah, you can have the lightsabers, you know, throwing a couple of punches here and there and things like that. Like... The fight scene in, like, how that fight scene between Kylo Ren and Finn in uh, The Force Awakens at the end, it should have been like that. You know, where there's a little blood, there's a little bit of punching, there's a little bit of, you know, you got two guys who are not really experienced as, you know, Obi-Wan and Anakin are. It, but it felt more bare-knuckle to me, so to speak. And that's how I felt the Anakin-Obi-Wan fight should have been. And, you know, it, 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 it wasn't all that. And then at the end of the fight, you know, he gives that whole, it's over, Anakin. I have the higher ground. And it's like, all right, you know it's coming. Like, something is about to happen. And then Anakin dives at Obi-Wan, and one slice cuts off both his legs and his other arm. Like, wow. I think Obi-Wan is the greatest Jedi of all time. Just that alone. It's cool see that and then of course and he gives that speech now like Obi-Wan's speech right there at the end you are the chosen one that one that that's heartbreaking that's heartbreaking Ewan McGregor is such a great actor the fact that if we would have if we would have had moments like that from Hayden Christensen you could have got behind Anakin Skywalker as a character but you don't because his line delivery is so pathetic and it's so like whiny that he just comes across as a pissed off teenager so whereas Ewan McGregor you know he comes across as like uh almost like a father who's failed or or uh or you know 
basically as a failure pretty much because it's like he is you know the last he's been with this kid for so long watching him grow up into a man and then to see him kind of become this Darth Lord and it was very heartbreaking you know that scene it, it, it does kind of it does kind of get to you it does tug on the heartstrings a little bit and then you see Obi-Wan pick up Anakin's lightsaber which is homage which is another callback to the original one where you know this was your father's lightsaber and uh, things like that and then of course the, the 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 another scene that I thought was really cool was that Padme is pregnant and of course we all know she gives uh, birth to the twins and I love how George Lucas shot this scene to where you have Padme giving birth to Luke and Leia but at the same time you see Palpatine creating Darth Vader you know they find Anakin's burnt body he's still alive and you know he's barely moving and things like that and they have him on the operating table so like side by side you see the birth of Luke and Leia and the birth of Darth Vader and there's that iconic scene where you know Vader you know Darth Vader rises it's really cool it, it reminded me of like the old Nosferatu film when when the vampire rises up, you know, and things like that. But um, there's one moment in that scene where, where you know, Anakin, they're putting Anakin in the suit, and, you know, he's, you see him kind of all burned and charred, you see his eye, you see his face, and you see the Darth Vader mask coming over him, and he has this look of fear, like, oh my God, like, it, you know, I guess this is it, you know, and once that mask comes on, the helmet comes over, and then you hear the, the, you hear the you know the the mechanical breathing thing and you know Anakin Skywalker's no more but right after that cool awesome moment of them creating Darth Vader it goes directly into something comical like I it, like I know it's not supposed to be comical but you know it's that moment where he goes no I was like I, I laughed I was just like wow, wow I can't take this guy seriously and uh things like that but anyways that's the end that that's the prequel trilogy like phantom minutes had had one or two good parts in it attack of the clones didn't have really anything good about it and then revenge of the sith had a lot more good stuff like if you want to see an origin story of darth vader just watch um just watch uh the the the, the revenge of the sith you don't got to worry about Phantom Menace. You don't got to worry about Attack of the Clones. Just watch Revenge of the Sith. And then, of course, when, when, what, 15 years later, then we got a new Star Wars series with the sequel trilogy. Uh, the Force Awakens, there was a big hype behind it because it was the return of Star Wars. And you had new characters, new people in it. And, of course, you saw Harrison Ford return as Han Solo. You saw uh, Carrie Fisher return as uh, Princess Leia. And uh, Mark Campbell, even though he's not in technically in the movie until the very end, uh, returns Luke Skywalker, which is cool. But then you also got a slew of new characters. You got Oscar Isaacs as uh, as uh, Poe. You got uh, John Boyega as Finn. You got Daisy Ridley as Ray, and then of course Adam Driver as Kylo Ren. And uh, you have all these new characters that you kind of get behind and things like that. I actually enjoyed The Force Awakens. Like, I think my, I, the scene that always makes me entertain is when 
Finn and Ray are running from the stormtroopers. They find the Millennium Falcon, and then they it's that chase scene at the beginning when they're on Jakku, and it's uh, it's a pretty cool scene. And then it, they meet, you know, Han Solo and Chewie. And there's uh, there's all that and everything like that. This was this as as entertaining and as fun as the Force Awaken was. It felt kind of fan service. It was something new for a new batch of Star Wars fans, but at the same time, it felt a little bit fan service and it, it paid tribute to the, the the fans of old who have been fans since the beginning you know and things like that and this movie did have a lot of earmarks to the um, it did have a lot of earmarks to the original the like A New Hope like the very first Star Wars movie and you know Rey being on a desert planet and then finding you know how that she's, a, that she's supposed to serve a bigger purpose and things like that uh, Adam Driver as Kylo Ren was interesting. You know, his he kind of seemed one dimensional in The Force Awakens, but as the movie progressed, like when we get to Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, and Episode Nine, The Rise of Skywalker, his character really gets better. And I think overall, he's a great character. Arc to you know, he's kind of he has the he basically has the anti-hero character arc from Episode Seven to Episode Nine. Uh, Daisy Ridley felt like you know this could this could work in a way like you know if she's gonna be our new Luke and things like that it it works in a way like you can rally behind her and in that ending scene when you see her with uh, Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker you know it 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 should have been and I say that very very you know you know cautiously because I remember at the end of the of the Force Awakens. That should have been that should have led us onto something that was supposed to be good, and then Episode Eight, The Last Jedi came out, and fucked everything up. The Last Jedi was it was I think it was written and directed by Ryan Johnson. Now, uh, he had directed a movie called Knives Out, which I thought was really good, and so this movie came out. You know, his next step was going to be a Star Wars film. So rather than rather than continue where uh rather were continue where the Force Awakens left off, you know, Ryan Johnson goes like takes a left turn and you know you know deviates from where the story goes and tells a random different story. You know, all of a sudden there's this weird kind of tension between uh uh, Kylo and and Ray, which is like, where is that coming from? And then th- this kind of you th- you know you start to see that Finn is starting to have feelings for Ray, and you know all of a sudden this other girl Rose is there, and it's like, okay, what's up with all these love subplots? I don't get it. And then the whole thing with Luke being like a a, a Force ghost or whatever, it's like, what what does that even mean? What what? And I was like, what? And then this new bad guy that they introduced in episode seven uh, by the name of Snoke, you know, uh, Snoke was supposed to be this new bad guy. And, you know, it looked like he was going to be like the new Palpatine because he was the one helping Kylo Ren in that first film and things like that. And then when we get to episode eight, they kill him halfway through the movie. And I was like, damn, that what? What the hell? And then you see Ray and Kylo. Now, I love that scene. 
I was like, I love that scene where Kylo and and Ray fight off those the royal guards in Snoke's throne room. That was kind of cool. I thought that was kind of badass. How they you know were fighting alongside one another for that one time, and I was like, damn, that's that's interesting. That's very interesting. But you know, and then there was this casino scene where they had to find a hacker. And then the hacker was played by Benicio del Toro, but he wasn't the hacker that they were looking for. And then the whole animal cruelty thing with Rose, I was like, what the fuck does this got to do with anything? Like, really? I was like, what, huh? What, how, how does this make sense? You know, it's like, what the fuck? And then, you know, they're trying to find a new batch of Jedi. Luke's telling the story about how he had this bad feeling about Kylo. Kylo tells one story, Luke tells another. And then there's supposed to be this epic fucking showdown between Luke and Kylo, but Luke's not really there. And I'm like, huh? What? And then there's this great moment. I wanted this moment was really cool at the end. So they're fighting on that weird sand planet, right? Right, bef- right I think it's either right before or right after the whole uh, Force Ghost thing with with Luke and Kylo. So, um, so it's this battle, and Finn is in it. You know, Finn is in one of the... the one of the, the, the planes, spaceships, and he's, you know, fighting off, and they realize that, you know, in order to stop this laser from taking out this base, you know, they have to take it, they have to blow it up, and it looks like Finn is going to make this heroic sacrifice, and I thought, oh, shit, they're going to kill a main character, you know, in the movie, and I was like, damn, they haven't done that, but I was like, yeah, because I remember in in, in uh, Empire Strikes Back, they catch... Um, Han Solo and they put him in the in the uh and they freeze him and things like that so he comes back so I'm thinking oh shit they might do this they might kill or they might do something like that to Finn because Finn looks like he's about to do that 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 cool you know heroic sacrifice that Randy Quaid did in uh in in Independence Day where he drives his own plane into the spaceship and the spaceship blows up but he still saved the world I'm thinking oh shit uh Finn's gonna do that and all of a sudden his plane is kamikaze like fucking T-boned by another plane and uh, you know you realize it's Rose and Rose like and then Finn goes to check on her and he's like why did you do that and that fucking line where he says the only way we're gonna win this war is with love and she kisses him and he has this look on his face like what what and like even John Boy, like I don't know if that was the Finn character or like John Boyega's like legit reaction. His reaction is like, "Huh? But that doesn't make you don't win a war with love, the fuck." And you know, there's the and then Ray shows up, and then you realize that Luke dies right there, and it's like, how the fuck is he dead, or how the fuck is he still alive? And the movie made like they they leave you with all these questions, and it's like, what the. F- fuck kind of shit is this man like what the hell and you know it's like oh my god I don't get this I don't get this at all I really don't um uh another cool scene that I think about it another cool scene that I remember from The Last Jedi was the fight scene between Finn and Phasma that was really cool how they're in the hangar and it's all coming down everything's on fire Phasma's got her staff, and Finn's got that electric rod, and I was like, oh, shit, this is going to be good. And that's interesting. It was interesting to see that, and I thought that was kind of cool. But, you know, I mean, like, Last Jedi was horrible. 
I mean, it really was. I didn't. I, I was like, what? What the fuck? You know, there's so many things in this movie that was just like, what the hell is going on? And then Rise of Skywalker came out, and oh man, it, it like it, it's like because Last Jedi was so bad that Rise of Skywalker had to eliminate a lot of the stuff. Now, before I start Rise of Skywalker, like Carrie Fisher, uh, who plays Princess Leia, she's in all three of these movies. However, unfortunately, she passed away. Uh, in the middle, I think either after Last Jedi had come out or in the middle of while they were filming Last Jedi. Like, she had wrapped on Last Jedi, but she had a lot of footage that they used for Rise of Skywalker, but she had passed away uh, right as the movie, I think right as the movie had come out. Either before the movie had come out or right as it was wrapping up. I know it was during Last Jedi, and then um, they went into... Um, they went into uh, Rise of Skywalker and they still had a lot of her footage in there and things like that. So it was kind of cool to see her, you know, one last time, so to speak. And, uh, man, they even, like, there's a scene, like, in... A lot of people say that Han Solo's death in The Force Awakens was didn't really have a whole lot of merit. The reason why a lot of people didn't buy it was because Harrison Ford himself said that he wanted to die in Return of the Jedi. So it's like, what the fuck? If Harrison Ford don't care about the character, why Why would he? Why should anybody else, you know? I know they're fans of the series and everything like that, but, I mean, come on. Harrison Ford don't even care at this point. But uh, in Rise of Skywalker, there's the scene where Rey and, and Kylo Ren are fighting on, like, that... that 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 the pier with the water flashing in on everything like that and in that moment Leia kind of does she kind of does her own heroic sacrifice to kind of get through to Kylo and you know that was kind of sad and to be honest in retrospect it was kind of sad because Kylo never had that never really had that chance to kind of reconcile with his mother like there wasn't a scene with Kylo and with Adam Driver and Carrie Fisher together there was it was there'd be a few of them but there wasn't that kind of closure that the characters needed you know there was that between Han and and Adam in uh in Force Awakens when he kills them but that was a little bit different it would have been nice to see that and then Princess Leia's character you know passes away and then when Poe Finn and Chewie uh come back and they say they have to talk to Leia and then they say she's gone and Chewie kind of breaks down and cries. That, that in my opinion, that was probably, probably the most heartbreaking thing because you got to think about it. Han died in uh, the Force Awakens. Luke technically died in the Last Jedi, and now Princess Leia died in the Rise of Skywalker. So it's like Chewie has basically lost like every sense, like every member of his family. That's why it's kind of sad, but. One redeeming quality I will say was that um the return of Billy D. Williams um uh, as Londo was interesting to see that, you know. When even like when they're on that planet and he says Wookiee stand out in the crowd and him and Londo kinda have that moment and it's kinda and it's kinda touching because, you know, Chewie Chewie had a fucking character arc that everybody could get behind and things like that. Rise of Skywalker, the only good thing I can say about this was the fact that they, it was a proper 
character arc for the, for the Kylo Ren character. You know, Ben Solo, which uh, he is his real name. I don't know where Kylo... I can't remember where Kylo came from, but that was kind of cool. But I think the biggest misstep was when the trailer first dropped for Rise of Skywalker, they played the Palpatine laugh. And I was like, oh, hell. Now, like I said, because Last Jedi was terrible, you know, going into Rise of Skywalker, they gotta do damage control and try to fix everything. And what and now because you gotta think about it, they killed Snoke in the last movie. So now there's no bad guy. So technically there's no bad guy at the end. And in reality it should have been Kylo. But, you know, to see him kind of become either the Emperor or what Darth Vader was supposed to become and things like that, but it was, it, you know, they brought in Palpatine, and he's manipulating both Rey and Kylo, so then they have to fight together again, and that always bothered me, because, like I said, at the end of, like, during Last Jedi, the whole thing between Finn and Rey, there's, you know, he started to have feelings for her, and he wants to tell her, and then slowly throughout, um, slowly throughout, uh, Rise of Skywalker, he's trying to tell her and it's not working and he never gets a chance and then he doesn't even tell her at all but then uh, Ray is falling for Kylo because she sees him slowly turning into the good guy and and then fucking Kylo Ren dies at the end of that one too and I was like fuck, like damn can, can is, is nobody gonna have a happy ending? You know, it, it's hard to get behind the Ray character when they fucking butchered her character from Sky from episode seven to eight, they totally just forgot about Finn from in the entire series. Like he's introduced in seven, and it's like they don't know what to do with him in eight and nine. Ray has this character arc that is incomplete. He's supposed to be like the next Jedi, like the next Luke. But then when we get to Last Jedi, they don't treat her as such. They just treat her like you know, well, yeah, you're the student, but you know, I'm not going to teach you because what the fuck for? And then we get to Rise of Skywalker. It's like, okay, we still need you, Ray, because, you know, we need a hero. It's like, oh, my God, make up your mind. What do you want her to do? And it's like, come on, man. This movie was just so out of whack. But I don't I don't think it should have been that way. I think, to be honest, as great as the director Ryan Johnson is, I really think that because when, when Star Wars Episode Seven came out, The Force Awakens, uh, Marvel, I mean... Disney had just bought Lucasfilm, so they were the ones controlling everything. And I've always said that was probably the biggest mistake they could have made. Because now that Disney's in control, they're going to do what they want, and they're going to give creative creative control to whoever is the one, whoever's either writing or directing. Now, when you switch writers and directors within like a three movie story arc, there's going to be some blowback. And unfortunately, you see that. Like, if you look at Iron Man 1 and 2, those are both directed by John Favreau. Iron Man 3 was written and directed by Shane Black, so there's, like, a tone issue there. There's a tone issue there, and there's a little bit of inconsistency there, because there's no acknowledgement of what happened in the previous films. Uh, the same thing with the Thor films. Look at Thor 1, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Uh, I can't remember. I think Patty Jenkins directed Thor 2, and then... Uh, 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 Tadi Wakiki directed uh, Thor Ragnarok, and it's like you see the it, you see the difference. If you look at the Star Wars sequel trilogy 
from I think Colin Trevorrow did uh, or who did that one yeah Colin Trevorrow did Star Wars did Force Awakens Ryan Johnson did Last Jedi and then uh, no J.J. Abrams did Star J.J. Uh, uh, Abrams did um, uh, Force Awakens Ryan Johnson did Last Jedi and Colin Trevorrow did uh, Rise of Skywalker and it's like yeah, you see the difference it's like I don't think Ryan Johnson should have been given the, you know, don't tell him to write his own because he's going to do it his way and tell a, and tell a completely different story and not necessarily trend off, but like, it's not going to be connected to Star Wars and then it's not going to be connected to the previous film. And then when the guy that comes in after him has to follow that, you know, you got to do a lot of cleanup here. It's like, okay, we got to take out a lot of shit that doesn't make sense, that that that, that doesn't fit the continuity of the series, and you know, it it becomes a so-so trilogy. Like Star Wars, Episode Seven was pretty good. Episode Eight was pretty bad. Episode Nine was, eh, you know, and you know, it, it was like, where, where do you go from here? And I think somewhere in between, they did do, uh, like, spinoffs. They did Rogue One, which was kind of like between Episode 3 and 4. Because it's basically about how how the Rebellion was able to get, you know, the, the Death Star plans. You know, Felicity Hoffman was pretty good in that movie. Uh, Matt Mickelson plays her dad and things like that. It's like, why was it so easy to destroy the Death Star? Well, they explain all that in that movie and things like that and that movie was pretty good but it's kind of hard to get behind that movie when the entire slew of characters like the new characters in the movie like you've never heard of them they're never mentioned anywhere else and yet you, I was like okay I've never heard of these characters they're never mentioned anywhere else and don't sit there and say that you know oh you didn't read the novel you didn't watch this show you didn't watch that show I don't fucking care when it comes to movie canon if they're not mentioned they're not irrelevant so when everybody dies at the end of Rogue One, it's like, okay, cool. But it's because if you watch Rogue One, it's like a prequel to the original Star Wars film. So you can kind of segue into it and uh, things like that. Rogue One was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it for what it was and the story they tell. I love both of the Darth Vader scenes that are in it. Uh, the scene where... The scene where... Um, Vader and Director Krennic have their have that little exchange. That was pretty cool. And the scene where Darth Vader comes, uh, he boards the ship and takes out all those guys. That was really cool as well, and uh, and things like that. But you know that was kind of fan service. You know they had to have Vader in there because technically he is. It, it does kind of carry into that story. Um, Solo, a Star Wars film. To be honest, I I I could not get behind that movie because out of all the characters that in Star Wars to get us to get their own movie I don't think Han Solo should have it was entertaining but there was nothing about the Han Solo character that I found that entertaining you know and things like that you know I really think Obi-Wan Kenobi should have got a movie um, I'm looking forward to the uh, upcoming Kenobi series and uh, and things like that but I don't think Han Solo should have been the right one to be honest him the way he meets Chewbacca was kind of cool the way and you know the way he technically does get the Millennium Falcon is pretty cool Donald I mean yeah Donald Glover as as Londo was 
was pretty good. That was pretty good casting and things like that. Woody Harrelson in the movie was pretty good. Amelia Clark is in the movie and she's also pretty good. There are some aspects of that movie that are pretty good, but over but overall it was it 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 felt kind of lackluster. It's like I don't need to see how Han Solo becomes the fucking smuggler, you know that he becomes, you know, the the I I don't care about that because it's not all that interesting. And you know, it's like it, it wasn't all that interesting because he wasn't a pivotal he was entertaining in his own he was entertaining throughout the original trilogy. Harrison Ford really made that character. But it's not so entertaining to where we have to make a whole movie about his origin. It's like, what the fuck? That that didn't make sense. And then they had a fucking after credit scene at the end of that movie where they show the return of Darth Maul. You know, even though Darth Maul was killed in The Phantom Menace by Obi-Wan Kenobi, he's still alive. He speaks. He has mechanical legs. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. I wonder how that's going to work. But, you know, after that, I think Solo came out either before or after The Last Jedi. And I want to say it was before. Because since then, there's been no acknowledgement. They're not interested in doing another solo film. And then after Rise of Skywalker had somewhat of a lukewarm res- uh, uh, reception at the box office, as far as I know, there are not any more Star Wars films coming out. But Star Wars really kind of came to, into its own personally with The Mandalorian. That fucking shit was really good. Mandalorian season one and two on Disney Plus. If you have not seen those, where the fuck have you been? Those shows were pretty good. Boba Fett was all right. I think Boba Fett was okay. You know, I think if they wanted to do something like that, like Boba Fett, the idea that they could take Boba Fett and he's still alive and he's still doing all this other stuff. I've covered Boba Fett uh, and things like that. I would like to cover the Mandalorian, but I think I'm going to wait until they do maybe a season three. Um, But you know, it is what it is, and uh, and things like that. But man, overall, the Star Wars films have been, eh, like I said, ever since Disney took them over, when they try to trend and try, when they try to do something different, it it really kind of steps away from everything. You know, they try to do something different with the movies, and it didn't work. So when they took the Star Wars franchise to like a smaller screen, like the streaming service, like Disney Plus. That worked because now you got you you don't have to rely on box office. You rely on revenue and things like that. One of the reasons I did subscribe to Disney Plus was because I wanted to see The Mandalorian, and I heard good things about season one. Uh, season two was very interesting. Uh, Pedro Pascal is amazing as The Mandalorian. Uh, the fact that you could treat the baby Yoda or Gorgu, however you want to say his name. Uh, as a full-fledged character was very interesting to see that their chemistry was incredible this kind of led to I think the end of season two kind of segue into what became the book of Boba Fett Uh, there's no real word on if they're going to do a season two of Boba Fett or if they're going to do a season three of the Mandalorian because as it stands now um the Obi-Wan Kenobi show is supposed is going to come to Disney Plus I think at the end of this month and I think it's because it's like the 40th anniversary I could be wrong it's either the 40th anniversary it's it's an anniversary of 
the original Star Wars. Um, and I think that's when they're dropping the Kenobi show and uh, things like that. So I will be reviewing that show when it does come out. I'll probably do, the, I'll probably do it episodically like I did Boba Fett and, uh, and things like that. But um, yeah, man, that's going to go ahead and bring it, to, bring it to the end of our episode. And damn, I covered all those movies in, in one sitting. That was interesting to see that. Uh, but yeah. We're going to go ahead and cut it off here. I covered all the movies. I, I would like to cover the shows, but I got to rewatch the shows. I stopped watching Bad Batch. Uh, I'm not even sure how it ended and things like that. I didn't watch the animated one, the recent one. I think it's called Star Wars Visions or something like that. I didn't watch that one. Uh, but, yeah, I did watch Boba Fett. I love The Mandalorian. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're going to... That's going to do it for today's episode. If you liked it, be sure to follow the podcast on all podcast outlets, whether it's uh, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Google Play, Odyssey, or wherever you're getting your podcasts from. Be sure to follow the podcast on all social media outlets, the Madhouse 21, Instagram and Twitter. Drop me a line. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? You know, are you a fan of the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, or the sequel trilogy? Whatever your case may be. Uh, just let me know. Let me know. You know, drop a line in the comment section of Instagram. Tweet at me. Whatever you guys want to do. Be on the lookout for more episodes as they come out. I am going to be the the season finale of Moon Knight came out tonight, so there will be. I th- depending on when, uh, when this co- when this is coming out. Like obviously, this episode is going to drop May the fourth because May the fourth be with you. As far as the Moon Knight uh, season finale, that'll either drop uh, tonight as well or tomorrow morning, uh, depending on if I get enough time to upload everything. Uh, I will be covering the Doctor Strange uh, film, so be on the lookout for that. I'm probably going to cover the Doctor Strange episode will probably be tomorrow. I know that for sure. Uh, So I'm going to let that get out of the way. As far as the Multiverse of Madness, I don't know when I'm going to go see it. I'm probably not going to see it on opening night like I wanted to. Uh, So that episode might come out either Saturday or Sunday. So be on the lookout for that. And just be on the lookout for more episodes as they come. As I stated, I will be covering the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. I will be covering other other, uh, movies as they drop. Uh, So if you guys got any recommendations, definitely let me know. And of course, as always, guys, be sure to embrace your inner madness. And of course, may the force be with you.